0: weeks and months and we were talking with uh, some this morning about the changes that have come with regard to ministry and with regard to worship and some of those things. You have to now worship at home and yet we have a church and we are thankful that we have the long history that we hear of growing apostolic legacy and we're thankful for that and we do have a great history and I appreciate all the former ministers and all of those that have been involved and been part of uh, the leadership here and what a history and I believe that these graduates are a testimony to the uh, that God is going to continue Moving and blessing and touching and using, and I appreciate all of them and all of you that were here to honor them. Normally, we would have them sit up here and I would preach to them and not worry about you all, but anyway, here we are on graduation Sunday, uh, honoring them, and I do appreciate them being here, and I appreciate, I know we have. Uh, Several of them that uh, maybe have already had parties or have had parties change, and yet I I do applaud their dedication, their commitment, their hard work, and yet I uh, maybe don't need to say this, but I, I do apologize. It's not necessarily my fault but that everything changed that probably uh, homecoming and and uh, all kinds of events and graduation ceremonies had to be drive through and, and it changed the everything, everything and of course we know we have weddings coming up and we have in fact uh, this coming Saturday at one there's a memorial service for uh, Melinda's husband uh, who passed away, uh, used to be a cook and uh, she used to be a cook and, and that is you know everything is changing and 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 parties change and you come in and and you know do you salute do you hi you know do you embrace and and sister bit told us yesterday that she wears a mask because too many people are trying to kiss her in the mouth and I <laughs> That was from her lips, so I don't know. I just am telling you what she said. And I don't know, Brother Don wasn't nearby to hear that. I don't know. She was afraid he was going to have to fight somebody. I don't know, whatever it was. But here we are in this uh, whole transition, in this whole sense of not knowing what all is going on, and and that the, the society has completely changed. and And you read reports where are they going to need as many school teachers because it's going to be online, and are they going to need as many workers and all of the blue collar workers and essential workers, are, you know they're exposed to the dangers of, of the COVID and all of this and yet you know uh, those that are in hospitals and whatever have gowns and, and yet they're running out of, of, of things and all of this that is necessary for this new world, and how to navigate, uh, you know, a new survival. You you don't just go to a place anymore. You know, uh, you go and you call them and tell them you're there, and they tell you when you can come in, and they scan your head, and then, you know, they you know they get your life history and all of this that we've never had to do before. And I know maybe at some point it will be the new normal, and and yet here we are looking in the word of the Lord and saying, how do you survive? Not only just survive, but how can we thrive? How can these graduates thrive? I I talked to Caleb yesterday, and, and he talked about, you know, the, the desire and the goal and the, all of his work toward being a coach, and yet... I don't know if, if there'll be football teams and I don't know if there'll be sports to what end and how involved and I know they're opening up some but yet what's gonna happen if there's another outbreak? Do they close it back down or do they do? I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows these kinds of hours, this hour that we are living in and yet the Bible is a guidebook of principles that can Can give you some directions during these very difficult times. And I know that when we think of the transformation in our society, not just in America, but in the world, in travel, in airline travel, in, in all bus travel, in all of the things that have happened, in fact, Brother Lee from Singapore told me that now actively, of course, uh, their country is tracking every phone in Singapore to find out who you are with and where you are because they wanna know who if you come up with COVID, who you possibly were exposed to and who additionally you may have been in contact with. And I don't know that America is ready for that kind of involvement and yet here we are and here we sit. And uh, in church for right now, maybe I hope for all from here on, and yet uh, here's where we are. And I, I tried to think and I was praying, and I was thinking, Lord, when was there ever, has there ever been in the Bible a time when things change so radically? And it was like the Lord said, Yep, uh, try Genesis. And I said, Okay. And uh, He said, What about? Uh, you know, the third chapter and Adam and Eve sin and they get cast out of the garden and everything changed. Everything was different. Kind of like now. There was nothing the same and yet here's what happened. And you know the story. Right after the third chapter of Genesis is Genesis chapter four. And Adam knew his wife New Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, notice what she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse 2, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought Of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, verse 4, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And I I begin to read that and I begin to try to study it because it was kind of amazing when you begin to look at it closely. Eve had declared that Cain was a man from the Lord, a man from God. It was almost like she was proclaiming what David would later say in Psalms. Children are a heritage from the Lord, a gift from God. She was saying, this is my man from God, this is my child that the Lord has given me. And I know most parents do view their children and all these parents and grandparents that were here for the graduates. It's a time of pride whenever they see and hear their son or daughter Grandchild's name called from a podium, and people applaud. And they walk up and get their diploma, and maybe drive by and get their diploma, diploma. And there, there's this sense of the potential that's there, and and this uh, whole sense of you know we're launching them into the world, and we want them to exceed us and succeed, and 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 and, and uh, you know they, we want them to do better than us, and we want them to. We want them to go and have and do and be and that same sense of pride that whenever they were first born and they maybe dedicated them to the Lord or they held them in their arms and they were so thrilled and they, they beam with that sense. And then the next child that was born by the name of Abel, we don't know much about Abel. In fact, the only thing we have, we don't see that Eve is thanking the Lord I don't know if he was a twin, I don't know if he was, but she names him Abel which means breath or shadow or vanity actually, it means he was a shadow of his brother. And you might think, well I want to read what Abel preached, there's no sermon. We don't have any record that God talked to Abel. We don't have any record that God spoke to Abel. We have no record that the family looked at Abel and said, oh, another man from God. They just said, he is a a breath. You know, he's here. And we all know in 2020 that children can be treated differently. Maybe at times, you know, we felt a little bit, well, you're the eldest, you got all the attention, I'm not the eldest, or you're the baby, you got all the attention, or you were the boy child, you were the girl child, you were the... Anybody ever thought or heard those kind of things? So what Cain and Abel could have very easily felt is something we could feel in 2020. You know, as you look around and you go, well... You're, you're so, you're, you're special and they're, yet, you know, children are different and you have to treat them different. And some have a little more, you know, tender heart and you can just look at them or speak to them and they're okay. And the others, you know, you realize pretty quick I could take you to the woodshed and beat you till my arms fall off and it, you're going to look at me and cross your hands, you know. You know what I'm talking about. And they are different and you treat them different and yet they can feel different. And I don't know, maybe Cain and Abel felt treated different according to the Bible. Although they were different, distinct people, they were treated, acted, looked, acted, whatever, different. Cain became a tiller of the ground. He became a farmer. Adam kept sheep. He was like a shepherd. And what's influenced their professions? I don't know. I I don't know what made them choose the jobs that they did. I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us any specifics on here, these two boys. You know, did Adam, when he was cast out of the garden, decide I'm going to make a garden because they weren't eating any meat at that time? Did he start trying to grow vegetables or plant? Because, you know, after he was cursed, thorns and everything came. And so was it his job to, I'm going to weed this garden. I'm going to get an area. He couldn't go back into the Garden of Eden. There was an angel there with a flaming sword that kept him from going back. And so did Cain look at what his dad was doing? And all of a sudden that's what he thought he would do. Did Cain hear the stories about life in the Garden of Eden? Did Cain realize that the ground had been cursed? And this is how we're going to break the curse. We're going to pull out all the weeds. We're going to pull out all the briars. We're going to get rid of the curse. I don't know. But imagine. Now Abel, ten sheep. (laughs) You know? Why did he decide to start taking care of animals? They weren't eating animals at that time. You have to read the Bible very carefully from Genesis the first chapter where it says, And I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed for you it shall be meat. And all the animals ate herbs and grass. Everybody was a vegetarian. And that doesn't change until the ninth chapter of the book of Genesis. And so, in fact, I can read you the verse. I put it there. Here here it is. Uh, There it is. Genesis, the ninth chapter. Every moving thing after the flood, after Noah, they come out of the ark, and the Lord says, Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herbs I've given you everything. So there was peace. Lions didn't eat meat, they were not carnivores. They were first vegetarians. Tigers didn't eat meat at first. Whatever. They all were vegetarians. And I know that's why I've had people tell me, in the Bible, God created us to be vegetarian. That's true. Then he got to the ninth chapter and said, we could eat meat. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Everybody needs a little undigested red meat in their belly, I think. (laughs) You know, there's some times I just crave a hamburger. And I'm still, I'm sorry, I haven't gone to Burger King yet to see if they're as good as they say you know those vegetable things they may be but I don't know sorry I haven't been there but when you think in terms of what made Abel start keeping animals the only reason that I can think of was that it could make clothes because the Lord had made some clothes out of an animal skin and so and clothes are important and I get it and protect us but Imagine your job is just your job is to make the clothes. Go keep the animals, make the clothes. I know we can wear big leaves and I get it, but you know, make clothes. You're not that important to the family. I mean, I'm trying to think like Cain and Abel whose world had been turned upside down. And I'm trying to imagine what it would be like You know, there was no law that they had to bring an offering. There was no, we don't have any record that Adam brought an offering to the Lord. Why do you bring an offering to the guy that sent you out of the garden? Why are you going to help that guy? There's no reason to bring an offering to the Lord. And yet Cain felt like it moved him to say, I'm going to bring an offering to And the Bible clearly puts Cain first. As having brought the offering. And he brings an offering. And he brings it from the fruit of the ground. And I I don't, the Bible doesn't say he brought rotten turnips or bad asparagus or what it was. That he did anything horrible. He brought an offering to the Lord. And there was no law that told him to, no history. No, you know, there wasn't a church that a preacher. They had heard whenever they were a kid that told him to bring. He just was honoring God. And somehow what we read is that he recognized that God did not respect his offering. But Abel saw Cain bring an offering. So he brought an offering. And God respected Abel's offering. Now, I don't know what that meant. If fire fell down and that's how Cain knew. But Cain was dialoguing with the Lord and we have no record that Abel was. And I can just imagine in my own little mind, you know, that I I like to think, well, Cain brought junk or he didn't give very much. But there's really no record of that. The only record that we have is two words that's used in the Genesis text. That Abel brought the firstlings and the fat thereof to the Lord. Now in Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, in the 4th verse, it says, By faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it yet being dead, he yet speaketh. Now, I, you know, I've had people tell me, and I, I'm okay with it, that Abel knew that blood was shed, and so therefore he was shedding blood, and that he brought because of the blood and the blood sacrifice and all of that that was gone but I, you know the law wasn't given yet you know maybe it was prophetically all that God was trying to emphasize this last you know this was the shedding of blood and yet all we know is that the Bible says he brought the firstlings which would have to be by faith he was you know first fruit offerings I know we call it tithes and offering you but actually it was designed in the Old Testament to be first fruits. You give it before you spend it on anything else. It wasn't, well, I go and pay all my bills and whatever I have left, I'm going to... It's designed to be the firstlings and then the fat thereof would be the part that would say it's the best that I have to give. So we know that Abel brought the firstlings and the fat. And so we can immediately talk about, well, he was there and he was bringing the very best because we know that, you know, God deserves my best. God deserves my first fruits, And so I I, I guess what I, I, the first thing that I would tell all these graduates, and I know my time is quickly passing, but I would tell you, listen to me very carefully. Whenever I know you're out about to launch on your own and you're about to get in involved in school and whether it's online or whatever. But listen to me carefully. I know it's important to get a good education. It's important to get a good job. It's important to find the right mate. All the, But let me hear you say, hear me say, it is important that you give God your very best. Don't allow God to be put on the back burner of your life. He deserves your best. When I was growing up, Even through college, even up until I got married, my mom and dad had a curfew on Saturday night. You can stay out all night on Friday night. You can stay out all night on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday. It didn't matter. But on Saturday night, you're home and in bed by 11 o'clock. Why? Because Sunday, you need to wake up and give God your best. That's how crazy I was raised. But you know what? There's something to it. You know. When I get up in the morning, taking five minutes to read the Word, taking six minutes to pray, have a Word to say, oh, why are you doing that now? Because while I'm fresh, I don't want to wait till I'm just about to fall asleep. I've, I've given, I've gone all day. I've done everything. And then I just allow. oh, now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, God, help me. Oh, you know, I, that somehow, Lord, help us to keep us from that kind of an attitude. And now I... As I told you, I don't know about the offerings. I don't know what God was doing. But listen to what Genesis says. And you all know the story. Cain got mad. In fact, the Bible says, very wroth. And his countenance fell. You could read it on his face. He was angry. And here comes the Lord again to talk to him. I mean, it's mind-boggling. The Lord's talking to Cain all the time. And the Lord says unto Cain, Why are you so mad? Why is your countenance fallen? And then the Lord gives him a promise. If you do well, shall thou not be accepted. And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. And he shall rule, thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said, where's your brother? Abel, your brother, and Cain said, I don't know. You know the story. And I'm going to tell you graduates something. Your folks probably have already told you this, but hear it from your pastor today. There are going to be times in your life you're going to feel mistreated, misjudged, and get your feelings hurt. And it's the easiest time in the world to get mad. And it's impossible to hide your mad from everybody. It'll show up on your face to somebody. (laughs) But it's so important that you recognize that when you get hurt, You want to hide from everybody, but you can't fool God. It will cause you to get isolated from people. Even though God is speaking to him and giving him a warning, how's he going to respond to this adversity? How's how's Cain going to respond? Cain, how are you going to respond? I, I don't know why God chose to... Honor Abel or respect Abel in his offerings. Cain was the first one. Cain could have said, all Abel's doing was following what I did. I did it first. It isn't right, God. I I gave you the best zucchini and squash I had. Why are you? You don't even talk to Abel. Why are you showing Abel any respect? Why are you doing anything? Oh, it's so easy to get into a rage. You know, somebody's done wrong. It's, I've been done wrong. I, you're going to find yourself. Was it the blood of the sacrifice? Was the Lord trying to do something that Cain had no idea what it was all about? The blood issue. God had never really even spoken to Abel and was just trying to connect with Abel. Was not the fact that because Eve didn't celebrate over Abel, God was going to celebrate over Abel? I don't know. You don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, here's a guy that's praising the Lord, doing all these wonderful things, and asked the man of God, I want to build a temple for him, and the, and the man of God says, that's awesome. And then the Lord said, no, uh uh-uh. You've had enough glory in your life. You've had enough problems in your life. I want somebody else to get the glory. You just raise all the money and give it to your son. Let him build the temple. Well, that ain't right. That's not fair. I don't deserve that. How easy it would be to turn ourselves into feeling like Cain felt that day. I've been done wrong, I've been hurt, I've been offended, I've been wounded. And let me tell you, graduates, you know what? I I, I don't know, you know, was it a lack of faith? Was it that he didn't give the best? Was it that he was just honoring? I don't know. I I guess what I want you to hear me say is mine is not to know the why, but to listen to the promise of God. If thou doest well, thou shall not be you will also be accepted. Oh, what am I saying? Graduates, you don't have to measure yourself against anybody else. All you have to do is do your best unto God, and God will honor you. He'll honor your life. He'll see to it that you're a success. He'll see to it that you'll have all the things that you need. Honor God first. (laughs) Well, I thought I would have, have a million dollars by now. I thought I would have a better job. I thought I would be the most well. I thought I'd have the nicest house. I thought, I don't know why everything doesn't turn out the way you think. But what did God say? Get up, Cain, do your best. There's going to be another chance. That's why Paul wrote in Corinthians, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's, you know, as bad as the self-righteous Pharisee that went to church and said, Oh, I thank God I'm not like that one over there. What are you saying? I'm saying you do not have to. Oh, I know you've faced already a grading system. And you're in the top 5%. And you're in the top. And you're the valedictorian. And you're the salutatorian. And you are the number one graduate. And you've scored whatever on your ACT and your SAT and your GRE. You're in a system when you graduate that is that way. But don't you for a moment think that God is that way. He does not. I compare you to anybody else. It's between you and God. He looks at you and says, I want you to give me your best. I want you to do your best. I don't care if it's a widow's mite. You give like you mean. I have everything that you say I want to do to God. Say, well, I can't run the aisles. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't play the piano. Then I can come and worship. I can't sing. Well, sing off key, on key, whatever. I'm just telling you, all God is looking for is that everybody do their best for God. And here he was. And I know, here, you say, well, then he said this next thing, which is, A powerful truth, and I know uh, I'll hurry through it. He said, if you don't do well, sin is lying at the door and his desire is for you, but you must master it. I'm going to tell you something, young folks. Sin is always going to try to master you. You will serve somebody. You may say, oh, well, I'm not going to serve sin. I will tell you, you will serve something. Paul told him in Romans, For sin, taking occasion of the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. When you read in the Amplified, he says, For sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, beguiled and completely deceived me, and using it as a weapon, killed me, separating me from God. I want to tell you, that's the mission of the enemy. To steal, kill, and destroy, separate you from God. Separate you from the presence of God. Get you angry at God. Get you angry at this. Get you angry at that. Because when you can't help yourself, you get so mad and you get so frustrated that before long I can't worship because I'm not thankful anymore for what God has done for me. I'm not thankful anymore for what God has given me. I feel cheated. As a graduate, you're going to, it's not fair. They hired this one and that, you know, his uncle works for the factory. They didn't hire me and they they let that one have a job and they go, huh? And if you haven't come across them yet, there are going to be people that are involved in nepotism. And, you know, they, they favor their own and what, huh? And if you're not careful, you'll lose the gratitude. This is why the Lord says in everything, in everything, in everything. You say, well, how do I thank God for cancer? He didn't say that you say on everything, that that I'm thankful for everything. He didn't say be thankful for everything. I'm not thankful for cancer. I'm not thankful for murder. I'm not thankful for the things that are going on in our society. But in everything... Yes. Yes. Amen. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't care what's in everything. Oh, I know it's bad. I know COVID's bad. But in everything, oh, and everything. Why? Because I don't want sin to get a hold and have a power over me. And I know how easy it is for sin to deceive and to make me feel ungrateful. Oh. In fact, Jesus himself said and I, in John he said I assure you but I most solemnly tell you that's two things about listen and you pay close attention and by the way you should listen to this whoever commits and practices sin is a slave to it <laughs> you see because sin is very secretive and it's covert and it's easily excused and well I'm not as bad as that one and I didn't do it as bad and yet it will boil to the surface with explosions of rage and anger. Oh, yeah, everybody recognizes it when you get mad and you, you're, you know, you take a gun and shoot somebody, you cuss somebody out. Yeah, we know it, but you know what? It's been building before then. You know it didn't just boom there it was and it was building with Cain that's why the Lord said why is your countenance falling why are you so mad he was getting right to the heart of what Cain was doing he was saying I know what's going to happen Cain this is going to keep brewing in you until you finally erupt. You may think that, oh, I can handle it. I, 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 won't. I, I don't need to get cleansed of it. I don't need to. Oh, I'm telling you, you will eventually say, serve sin. What do you say? It's this con- secret, covert, easily excused, and then it boils to the surface. It didn't start as that. It began as jealousy, white lies, malicious thoughts. In fact, the greatest sin that we could commit. According to the word of God is whenever we fail to love and worship the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. Cain had brought an offering to the Lord. And yet because it was not received like Abel's, he began to get angry. And oh, it's almost like a sickness. And I know our society has words now that we have, you know, nobody is sinning anymore. Everybody's got a sickness. You've got PTSD. You've got a disease. You've got, an I understand, there's a lot of causes that can be for all of that. I get it. But in the Old Testament, it talked about when the whole head is sick, wounds, it, it's a disease. Why? Because it just eats on you and eats on you and eats on you. And as a graduate, let me tell you, I I know, my time is up. In fact, we're going to stand right now. I'm going to pray for our graduates. I'm going to pray for our church family. What the Bible commands us to do is, brethren, if a person is overtaken in a misconduct or sin of any sort, the King James Version says, in a fault, you who are spiritual... Are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit should set him right and restore him and reinstate him without any feeling of superiority, but with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you be tempted. What are you saying? That's why the church is so important. Graduates, I know. You can go and live someplace else, but you need to connect yourself to a body because it's the Word of God and it's the body that will keep you in check and remind you you're getting off track. Your thinking is wrong. I was talking to Brother Josh and Sister Sydney Garza this week about her mom and being hit with that dreaded disease of cancer and the diagnosis. I said to them, I said, you guys are going to have to be very careful about your theology in the weeks and months to come. What did I, and I tried to explain to them what I meant by that. Because it's easy to get, when your world is turned upside down, say why and why didn't this happen and why didn't that and why did I everybody know what I'm talking about graduates you're going to face some of those times some of them you had nothing to do with Sydney didn't do anything wrong or mom didn't do anything wrong the doctor just walks in and says it's pretty bleak it's hard can I be thankful for that no but I have to still give thanks in everything. Why? Because sin is at the door trying to get into my heart to sow bitterness, to sow anger, to sow frustration, so hurt, and to keep me from coming in. Yes. Saying, Lord, I love you. I worship you. You've been so good to me, oh, that desire that I had to bring you an offering, Lord. If I do well, you said you would not leave me, but you would be there for me. Oh, I want you right now. I, I want all, all of us. I know we've all been had our world turned upside down, but I want us to give the devil a black eye. If for no other reason, and you say, oh, well, Pastor, and I, I listen to Brother Rogers gave me a website to listen to brother Jeff Arnold preached a message on thankfulness and I he said something that I'd never really thought of he said you know what the children of Israel were so infected that the Lord had to quarantine them for 40 years because they grumbled and griped I want more I want of onions I want doves I want God just delivered you from Egypt Just saved your firstborn. You don't have anything to be thankful for. He said the disease of unthankfulness is worse than COVID. And I believe it. Why? Because sin is lying at the door. You're going to have injustice in the world, you're going to have things that you don't understand. But keep being thankful. Let's do that right now, church. Wherever you are. If you need the Holy Ghost, you need to be thankful. Thank him for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Oh, I see shatter. Ha,